0: All right, guys, very special episode for you guys today, one I've been looking forward to since I started 1819 News and since we started diving in and jumping into stories of people who played for Bear Bryant. But it's bigger than a story about a man who played for Bear Bryant. It's the story of the man who started the Big Oak Ranch. What is the Big Oak Ranch? It's one of the most incredible ministries in the world. Uh, It is a boys ranch is how it started, but it's also now a boys and girls ranch. And they're doing planting oaks and they're doing ascend, and they're doing all this incredible stuff. Um, And and it's taking in children uh, whose parents don't want them and they give them to the ranch and they not only put them. They don't warehouse them and feed them. They put them into a home with parents and they teach them about Jesus and they give them a Christian education and they teach them a work ethic and they're there for them. Um, And it's it's the most incredible ministry i've ever seen uh or you know had had the privilege of walking around the ranch and seeing all that they do there Uh, and you guys are going to want to tune in hear john's story uh, about how it all came about we have an incredible culture here in the state of alabama but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of alabama media drives culture culture is what drives politics and public policy Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast. I have a really incredible episode for you today, one I've been looking forward to really since I started the podcast. Someone uh, who has made an impression on me, he's got one of the greatest ministries I think in the world that's right here in Alabama that uh, he started and his son is now Uh, the successor of running and taking it uh, to new heights as well. And it will be a continuation in our Bear Bryant um, men that who've played for Bear Bryant and what they've gone on to do from their series that we've had Gene Stallings, John Hanna, Rich Wingo. And now we will be be bringing you John Croyle. So really happy to have him in studio to share his stories about playing for Bear Bryant, um, talking about the big Oak ranch and what that was like getting it started, what it is that they do. And then he's got a message for our behind the scenes content, Where it's going to be an encouragement about how to how to get back up when you've fallen. Uh, We've all fallen. We've all had things that have happened, and uh, just an encouraging message about how to get back up and get in the saddle again. So that is what we're going to be doing. But before we jump into it, I want to tell you guys um, we need you to support the work we're doing at eighteen nineteen news. If you guys uh, would sign up to become a member, you're going to get access to that behind the scenes content like I just described. You get merch, but more than anything. You'll be supporting nonprofit news. You'll be supporting independent journalism. Uh, Membership start as little as $5 a month. So please go to the website, 1819news.com, click the button, become a member, put in all the information, super simple, and you'll be supporting the work we do on behalf of the people of Alabama. Well, enough about all that. And without further ado, I'll bring in my guest, Mr. John Croyle. John.
1: Well, I tell you what, I'm I sitting here thinking five dollars a month you can pick up cans and cover five dollars a month. Tell them, I mean, John. I mean, tell them. I, mean, him. I mean, get 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 involved. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wait a minute, let me see. Did I read that right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: endorsement fee headed your way, five dollars. So, um, well, I'm super excited to have you. Um, it's it's interesting we've met. I've heard so much. Um, about you, about the ministry. Uh, you're you're very well known. Your time playing at the University of Alabama, playing for Bear Bryant, Big Oak Ranch, uh, all of these things, and just the the legacy that you've left on so many. And even um, you know Lee Habib, my former boss, um, really credits your ministry um, to how he ended up coming to Christ. He was a, a, a late bloomer in the faith. I think he was in his 40s or maybe even 50s. Um, when he got saved and meeting you and seeing the work that you did played an instrumental role in his life which he's played an instrumental role in my life and so you just see um that ripple effect of of what god can do so um i just think that's great and i'm really excited to have you on and you and i've gotten to become friends over the last couple months and i'm just looking forward to to hearing some stories
1: well i tell you what he uh lee was a great guy Uh, we visited and uh, he um he's he's a smart cat yeah. and I'm sitting there i I'm just looking at him like dang you you operate a <laughs> different level than I do, <laughs> but uh it it's just been so much fun uh watching you and getting to know you and seeing what you're doing and and how you're making a difference and I think that trickle down uh you know uh, when you tell the truth it, it's gonna trickle down yeah and uh it it's almost like um it's like a uh, syrup on a pancake. I yeah. mean, when you pour it on there, it just just covers everything up. Regrettably, soda's doing wrong. Yeah, and uh, we've all been there. Yeah, you know. So uh, it's just been a joy to watch you and and learn about what you're doing and the lives you're changing, the people you're helping. So uh, mutual respect.
0: Amen. Well, that means a lot. So kind of as you heard me lead up to in the beginning, um, you know, um, I mean every bit of it stands on its own, right? We could do a podcast just on your time with Bear Bryant and all that. And then also Big Oak Ranch. But really let's start out with uh, the, you know, your story where you grew up um, playing for coach Bryant lessons learned from him uh, and then how that transitioned into Big Oak Ranch and how he helped.
1: Tell you what it is. uh, You know, we've all got plays in our lives, you know, when, when, you know, Uh, the loss of a child, marriage, the birth of a child. I mean, we've all got those plays in our lives. And and for me, getting a chance to play ball for Coach Bryant was just one of those plays. And he, um, obviously, pretty good at what he did. But I think his greatest gift was um, obviously uh, tenacious focus. Coach Saban, all the great ones have got that tenacious focus. But his ability to read people uh, just was phenomenal. Uh, I know you've got John and Rich and others, um, uh, I mean, he just could just, it's almost like a, you're scanned yeah. and, uh, he's got you. And, yeah. um, uh, he knew I was there five years. He kept waiting to see if I was going to get good. <laughs> <laughs> so he redshirted me, but, um, I went down as a freshman and, um, I blew my knee out and I tore every ligament but one. And uh I'm sitting on the ground and uh Coach Bryant came up and uh, he said, What a waste. I thought they were gonna shoot me. I, I didn't know. <laughs> like whatever. a horse that rolls yeah. its angle well, and just take out matter of fact, there was a you. movie that had just come out that month about yeah. they shoot horses, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, Lord, I'm gonna die. But uh anyway, um um blew my knee up. Uh took uh two years to get back. But you know, um i never had to work for anything. Everything was easy, you know, back you know uh, playing sports, being involved, you get injured a little bit, uh, you keep going, you're playing, but you blow your knee out, it changes the whole perspective. And and when the doctor looked at me and said, Your career is over, I said, No, it's not. You know, and you don't listen to doctors, you listen to that internal voice yeah. that uh, tells you you can or you can't. And uh, came back two years and we lost one regular season game in three years. So winning was kind of understood. Yeah. And, um, he he never yelled at me for five years. Now, my roommate got dog cussed every day, <laughs> but <laughs> he never yelled because he would just come up. We were playing LSU once, and he came up, and they had a quarterback named Burt Jones. And Burt was a great player, and he was huge. And he played with the uh, Baltimore Colts at that time in Indianapolis now. And uh, I'd hit him just as he let go of the ball about three times. And Coach Brand, we came off the field after a series, and he came up to me and said, when are you going to get him? That's all he said. And, of course, second half was a little bit better. Uh, But uh, he had his way of just uh, getting you to see the big picture and and winning, and you had to do your job like all the great ones do, do your job.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I think one of the reasons that I'm so interested in in hearing stories about Bear Bryant and, and that, and again, it's, it's definitely nothing against coach Sabian. Obviously he's done incredible things. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a different culture and a different generation. Now he operates within what, what he has to, to do Mm -hmm. his job now. But what is so amazing to me is the, the legacy of the people really the ripple effect of watching um, Bear Bryant and um, the people who played for him, they come in essentially boys, they leave men, and then they go on to, um, be family men, start businesses, um, be members of the community. And, and they all have uh, a certain way of taking responsibility, um, that leaves the football field and actually gets into, and in, into life. Um, and just, you know, that is, is so different. And I mean, there's, there's obviously coaches, you know, Vince Lombardi, um, why well, I can't think of the guy that was, um. Uh, the basketball Dean Smith at University of North Carolina the basketball coach that, mm-hmm. that 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 have that quality but um it's just to me it's something that's very special and and having lived in Alabama now for 8 years you can see the the, the ripple effects of it
1: yeah i think that um uh, one time i was getting ready to meet with him about um something i don't remember what it was now and um he's on the phone with this kid and um he said uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, son. Uh, thank you. And he hung up. He called the assistant coach in that was responsible for recruiting that kid. And uh, he said, um, Coach, we don't want him. Coach Bryant, he's 6'4", 230, runs a, a 4 five forty, and he's just tough. We don't want him. He ain't a winner. That's all he said. Coach said, yes, sir, walked out. And his ability to, to pick a winner, and I think the statement he made about, I'll take my 11, beat your 11. And yeah. then we'll trade 11s, and I'll still beat you. And that 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 trickle-down belief that uh, we'll do whatever it takes. And uh, uh, my fingers are all mangled and everything. And somebody said, how did how, that happen? I said, well, you didn't go to the sideline with a dislocated finger. You just yeah. taped it up. And so I took tape off of my – my belt and uh, wrapped around my finger and, and kept playing. And, uh, you just, you didn't want to disappoint the man. Yeah. And, uh, you didn't want to come to the sidelines and you didn't do your job and, uh, you didn't want to, you didn't even want to make eye contact. (laughs) There's one guy that really, really screwed up. (laughs) He was so embarrassed. He went to the other team side of the field because you didn't want to see him. <laughs> and uh, uh, I finally got back over. But uh, <laughs> his, his ability to get the best out of you and uh, just look at you and say, I know you can do this. Yeah. And uh, that's all you need to hear. And, uh, you know, there, there's I, – I believe you or I believe in you. Yeah. And those are two different animals. Yeah. It, it's kind of like uh, – uh, it's kind of like a, a, a Christian, you know, I, I believe in you versus I believe in you. Yeah. And, and believing in God and Jesus Christ and what he did. And, um, we've all, you know, blown that up, but, uh, he still loves us anyway. And Coach Bryant's ability to, uh, just know what you wanted to do. And I, I blew my knee out once I was having surgery and, I woke up and uh, he had, he'd me a book uh, and it's called a Foxfire book and it's about living out in the woods and you know making it and just like a, a survival book. Yeah. And he had heard that I wanted to uh, build a home for kids. Yeah. So he gave me my first gift. Yeah. For the the ranch itself.
0: Wow. What well, and before we jump into the ranch and his help starting it. <clears throat> What, what is it? What do you think it is? I mean, is it God given? Is it something that was cultivated? What is it about him that allowed him to draw the best out of everyone?
1: Knowing the individual, he would, you know, he knew yelling at me wasn't going to work. Just tell me what you want. I'll go do it. Yeah. Motivating and yelling at somebody else might work for that individual and his ability to read people, as I mentioned earlier, but I think it's even more than that. It's a it's the if you knew he believed in you and, and I'm I'm gonna be really stupid here and everybody that's ever started for him knows this feeling, but he would come in and he would say, No, gentlemen in this game, this is gonna be tough, da 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 and he said, but starting starting defense is and he'd call out your name. Now, here's the whole team, 100-plus guys. You're out there. You're getting ready to go play in front of 30 million people on TV for the next championship, whatever the issue. And um, he said, in this world, you're the one i been counting on. Mm. You're the one that I know if I put you in that position, you're going to do your job. You'll give me everything you've got. And I think one of the best things I've heard him say over the years, heard him say a lot, but he just said, I don't want you out there worrying. He said, "I want you confident. I want you showing your class. I want you ripping and snorting." I said, "Make a mistake, it's okay. Just don't make it again." Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, make it full speed. And yeah, I think that speed. and and his his ability to um, they they had a drill where where they would put three guys <laughs> in front of you and I play defense, so he put me up here by myself and there'd be three guys in front of me with a combined weight of 900 pounds, and I weighed 110. (laughs) I'm sitting there looking at these guys, and he would always go stand behind the offensive line because he wanted to look in the eyes of the defensive player Mm. because you're going to see enthusiasm, uh, confidence, or fear. And uh, he would go around, and he would be looking in, and if you were confident and you're looking at these guys and say, y'all outweigh me, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And then you would clog up three people and the linebacker come over the back and make the play. Uh, he was always looking for that enthusiasm and always looking for that confidence. And if you're afraid, you didn't play. Wow. Because uh, his, his idea was, if I make you scared on Tuesday in a tough drill, then you're going to be scared on Saturday. But even more importantly, if you quit on Tuesday – you gonna quit on Saturday, mm. and uh, he couldn't ho- he couldn't tolerate the quitting. I've seen guys with ability out there wazoo; they never saw the field because they weren't willing to put everything they had into it. And they asked him once about um, all the people that he'd worked with the the nameless, the Stablers, the John Hannos, and and all the rest of us that were lesser guys athletically. Uh, he said. I never think about the guys that really were great, and they produced. and He said, "I thought about the kid that I I never found the trigger, I never found the button, I never found the way to get him to join." He said, "Those are the ones that I haunt. That haunt me. Those are the ones I think about." Wow, that's
0: incredible. And I think about you know one of the kind of common stories I hear, and really something that I don't think coaches with the the transfer portal and all this other stuff have the ability to do today both Bob Baumhauer and Rich Wingo have a similar story and that they were all stars, you know, they were starters, um, and coach benched them because their attitude wasn't right. They, they weren't giving a hundred percent because their 70% was better than everyone else's hundred percent. He didn't want their 70%. He wanted their hundred percent. And so he benched them. and, you know, I, I can't wait to get Bob Baumhauer in here to tell his story. Um, but Rich came in and and, and told his story of, of that and, you know, you're you you've now disappointed the one man you don't want to disappoint. Mm-hmm. Now you're worried about your future and all these other things. And 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 he, he may really mean it. You may really not be gonna play again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he gave those two an opportunity to redeem themselves and they did, and they were they were they completely changed their lives. Not mm-hmm. their football careers, but their lives mm-hmm. uh in doing that. And quite frankly, these coaches don't have the ability to do that today because the guys will be in the transfer portal like that.
1: Belief. Yeah. You know, do you believe you can win? Do you believe we can win? Do you believe that you can be a part of us winning? And that, that belief's missing yeah. because uh, there's just – loyalty is a great word, yeah. you know, and with the portal and everything that goes with it or opting out and getting out early or, yeah. or whatever. Um, uh, loyalty is a big deal. Yeah. And uh, you show me somebody very skilled, but they're not loyal. I don't want them. Yeah. Um, matter of fact, uh, it, it's the world's full of people doing the job they don't like for someone they don't respect because of whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it has to do with money, prestige, honor, but just doing what you love, loving what you do. And uh, he did. I saw him six days before he died, and uh, he was tired and sickly and worn out. But what I noticed was he had lost his first love. Mm. He had retired. He didn't have the yellow pad going to his next game or plan or season. Um, He was done. And uh, be honest, Mm. uh, he had a heart issue, yes, but he died of a broken heart Mm. because he lost his first love. Wow.
0: So we talk about um, playing for Bear Bryant. Uh, Those stories, and I could probably sit and talk about that all day long. Um, But not only was he a great coach to you and, and helped you become a better man and all those other things, uh, he played a, a pivotal role in Big Oak Ranch, if I know the story mm-hmm. correct. And so talk about that. Talk about how you felt God call you into ministry instead of the NFL and and how Bear Bryant played a part in that and then just go right into the, the ranch.
1: Um, back to one of those plays, I was working at a summer camp. I was, a, I was just a little old dipping counselor. And um, metal boy from New Orleans, his mother was a prostitute and he was the banker and the timekeeper. Mama, the next one's here. I got the money. And he was the businessman. Told that little boy how you become a Christian. He came back the following year and told me word for word what I'd shared with him the summer before. And I realized at nineteen I'd just been given a gift. I wished I could say, Oh, look at all this, look at all that. Huh, just a gift. And um, we have to sit down with a boy or a girl, and we have to read them the way Coach Bryant reads Mm -hmm. uh, his players and uh, decide if we are the answer for what their problems might be. And uh, so we played uh, the other three years, and um, as we mentioned, he won National Championship my senior year. And, um, you know, the natural step was, you know, I talked with some people. And I went to see Coach Bryant. I said, Coach Bryant, I want to get, this was the spring of uh, 74. I, and we just played in the um, Sugar Bowl, uh, 74, January 1. And the um, natural step would be to move on. And um, I said, I want to get the money from pro football, and I want to start a home for children. And he looked at me, and uh, he said, don't play pro ball unless you're willing to marry it. Go build that ranch you've been talking about. Walked out and never looked back. And uh, that influence, that moment uh, was pivotal. I wasn't good enough. I was too weak. I was too wormy. I was too slow, but I still don't give it a shot. But in hindsight, if we had played brawl, if we had made money, if someone would say, well, look at what John did with his money. Yeah. Now, that's not giving God any glory. Yeah. This way, uh, I was talking this morning with our former residents, and we were talking about when the power got cut off. Yeah. I know what it feels like. I know what you flip a shower on and it don't work because the water's cut off. Uh, Been there. Uh, NFL money, but it wasn't been the right way. And so now, you know, Mm -hmm. we um, have been so blessed to have – we're moving into our 50th year. Uh, Our first boy is 66. We've been doing this for all these years, and God's been faithful. And um, Coach Bryant's advice moved right into – January 1st, we're playing the Sugar Bowl versus Notre Dame. May, 74, I graduate. August the 4th, I moved on to a 120-acre farm that um, uh, this guy sold to us for a a piece. So here I am. I'm 23, living in a farmhouse by myself with my dog, and I had nothing. But that's when uh, God comes to the rescue, when you've got nothing. You've got nothing left. You're out of gas emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. And he says, all right, now will you trust me? And uh, that issue was, trust me with this, have I been perfect? Absolutely not. Have I done the right thing every time? Absolutely not. Uh, I've learned nobody's as good as they appear and no one's as bad as they seem. Mm. We're all somewhere in there, you know. Exactly. You and me've got, you know, a story. Uh, I, my son's got a great line. He said, "Regrettably, I worked on my testimony." <laughs> yeah. And uh, a good uh, Rich Wingo even told yeah. Brody says, "Well, you, you've been work, you had a lot of tests to build your testimony." Yeah. So that that's a good word from Rich. But uh, sitting there, and um, within two weeks, had five boys, and wow. uh, I didn't know that you had to have a license. Uh, I just said, hey, I want to help kids. So I was helping coach a little football team because they were going to pay me $1,000. Back then, was big money Yeah, because I didn't have any income, zero. Yeah. And, and uh, this guy walked up and said, Mr. Croyon. And I said, yes, sir. And see, here I was, arrogant, cocky, yeah. thinking I had my stuff together. I'm a football player from Bear Bryant, one that championship. We're all good. He said, do you have a license yeah. to take? care of children i said i sure do and i showed him my driver's license yeah and i found out later you had to have a license from the state to do this <laughs> so the first five boys were illegal yeah. and uh they were not uh right uh as far as paperwork is concerned but um we were able to i've been asked more than once you ever been depressed personal life things mistakes i would be yeah but, with the ranch, have I ever been depressed? Have I ever looked back and said, "What if never mm. because um uh, i I don't take lightly that I found out early what I was put on earth to do, yeah, I don't take it lightly okay. and uh, there's there's a lot of sixty seventy year old men that ain't figured it out yet, yeah, there's a lot of thirty year olds right now chasing the wrong thing,
0: yeah,
1: and uh uh, I know that that is a very unique situation. We've been doing this for obviously 50 years, and I've had so many thousands of men come up and say, You know, I always wanted to do something like what you're doing, mm. but they didn't do it. Yeah. And uh, many of them are now really great friends and are big supporters mm. of the ranch because we're doing what they dreamed or felt led to do that they didn't answer the call. Mm. And I think that right there might be the, 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 the bottom line, God said, I got something I want you to do. And I said, Yes, sir. And then he said, I know you, but I still want to use you. Yeah. And I I got I I'm gonna get a t shirt. Yeah. God loves stupid and he loves me. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, every every guy, girl, but every guy listening to you and me right now, watching, um, we've all been stupid. But the thing about it is um, finding out what you got put. And you know why? It's never too late to find out what you got put on earth to do. You have a history yeah. things you used to do that you don't do anymore because yeah. now you see something that from what I've taken from you, you're going to do a long time. You ain't going to just fight this fight for 10 minutes and quit.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you're going to be here for the long haul. And that long haul is important. And that's why even now uh, the, the boys I met with this morning, they're, they're both – 45 years old, and uh, we got them when they were 10. And they said, we ain't got nobody. Can we meet with you? So every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, we meet at Edgar's and just sit and talk about being a man. And I, I tell them, say, boys, I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you what you don't need to do. Amen. And so we've all made that that call. But we've now had um, uh, Coach Bryant's influence, the ranch's influence on, on our personal lives, our family's life. Our children, our grandchildren, and then Israel—we're having a reunion on May the twentieth, and uh, we have got um, several hundred kids coming back with their families, and wow. that—that's the rush—is wow. when you get a chance to see a boy that you got out of uh, a bar. That's where he lived. That was his yeah. home, and uh, he had a hard life. And you bring him in, you put him in a. A, a nice home with a great set of house parents and other brothers like him, yeah. and say, "All right, let's go." Yeah, you know you've had enough of the garbage. Now let's work at getting good. And uh, some of them do it. Some of them don't. Some are very successful. Some don't. Some are alive and well. Some are dead because they chose poorly. Mm-hmm. But we've had over two thousand children call Big Oak Ranch home, and um, there's never been a day of regret.
0: Amen. Talk about what what's different about Big Oak Ranch than um, you know other what, what, what some would call orphanages. I think in my mind, uh, and again, I'm I'm not saying this because I'm sitting across from John Croyle. I'm saying this, and I've said this before. I ever met you before I ever met Brody. Well, actually, no, it was it was while I met Brody. Brody gave me a tour five years ago of the ranch, um, and I was just blown away. I was floored. Um, and to me, and and I guess for for you guys watching that don't even know what Big Oak Ranch is, I've been operating on the assumption that you do. <laughs> Um, we'll get into what you guys do specifically, but what I see is, is two things that really stand out. One is, yeah, you can create an orphanage and you can create a building on a piece of property and stuff, a bunch of kids into a building and make sure that they're fed and educated. Um, but to me, the, the, the cultural building block that God has given us and and has established in his creation order in Genesis is, you know, is husband, wife, father, mother, children, and it's a it's a home. Mm-hmm. And what you guys have is beautiful homes on a ranch with house parents um, that are parents to a select number, I think up to six. Mm-hmm. Is that right?
1: Six to eight. Yes.
0: Yeah, six to eight ki- kids in, in, in one household. And so they they aren't just stuffed into an orphanage. They're they're part of a home. And they're taught about Jesus and they're taught how to live and they're shown examples and they go to a Christian school and then they come home and do their homework and have a mom and a dad there showing them, teaching them how to do that, doing Bible studies with the kids at home. And they're getting a life that so many people in the country that aren't orphans aren't, you know, that aren't even getting right. You guys are giving them something so much more than a warm meal and a place to stay. Mm -hmm. You're giving them a home. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that's incredible. Uh, And then also the fact that you guys don't rely on government money, I think is incredible. But Talk about what what you see as different, how you came to the conclusion to to do it that way
1: um, anybody can build a warehouse for kids, yeah, anybody I um, mean uh, there's a lot of organizations around the country uh but um in the last ten years forty two percent of the children's homes in America have shut down. Mm. Uh, that's a lot of folks, a lot of kids that are not getting help, so we decided a long time ago that we we're going to have. A unit, a house parent couple, and um, uh, we've now got 26 couples living in 26 homes. We're going to stop at 40, and uh, that would be approximately 300 kids that we're taking care of on a a daily basis. And uh, the program has worked so well for us that now Brody and his staff and the ranch's vision, uh, they have helped start 96 other children's homes around the country. So yes. we're trying to come back in underneath that 42%, but do it right. Yeah, uh, You got to do it right. You you can't, and God's a big God, and uh, you can't hide something if it's right. Yeah. You can't hide something if it's wrong. Yeah. And think about it. Uh, we used to hire staff, and I had about four kids I really trusted. And whenever we'd get ready to hire somebody, I'd bring them in, let these kids meet them, just you know, the 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 guy yeah. applying for a job didn't know, but the kids knew. And uh I'd say, uh well, here there's here's Tom, Larry, Billy Sign. And uh then he would leave and I'd say, What do y'all think? One of the boys looks at and Where'd you find that fool? <laughs> <laughs> so they have a scanner. Yeah. They can spot BS a mile away. And uh that's one of the things about people will come and they'll meet one of our children. Oh, you're such a cute little baby. And I, the kids would turn to look at me and go, just roll their eyes. Yeah. I like I'm not some little pet that's in yeah. a puppy shop, yeah. and uh, they they spot them, but they also spot when someone comes in and says, "Hey, how you doing? I'm here for the long haul." Yeah. And that's that house parent couple that says, and we and one of the I think the bedrock uh, we've had, as I mentioned, well over 2,000 kids, all 2,000 plus kids have heard the same four promises. And uh, we we did this 50 years ago. I love you. I'll never lie to you. I'll stick with you till you're grown. And there's boundaries. Don't cross them. Mm. And you get emotional support, truth, security, discipline. And my wife's got a great line. And it is, discipline is the truest form of love. Guys, ladies, do not be your kid's best friend. Yeah, That, that, that ain't going to work. You yeah. you don't want a best friend for your mom and dad. Yeah. You want a mom and a dad that's going to train you, teach you. In other words, pack your bags for the journey Yeah, called life. And that's what we do. We find couples that want to help pack a kid's bag for a journey. And um, there's a lot of garbage in there. The garbage never gets flushed out. Mm. It's always going to be in that bag. I yeah. mean, as you as you and I have mentioned before, we got things in our past that is garbage. Yeah. It's in the bag of our, our lives. But you know what? Goodness will override badness every time. Amen. And uh, obviously, you know, God's been good to all of us. And and right now, I think that um, uh, they've got an endowment set up. And uh, speaking of the government, uh, we don't take the government money because be careful who you get in bed with. Yeah. Because you're going to get cooties. Yeah. And we, we have just chosen to go the path of we're going to do it. And God said, all right. I will take care of you. Yeah. And that's why uh, we have no debt. And uh, everything we pay for before it's built. Yeah. And uh, even right now, the next 5 homes to be built at the ranch, all the money for those homes is already in the bank. Wow. And so that shows the, the clarity of the staff that Brody has put together.
0: Yeah. And you you're providing people an opportunity to give to what the Bible, I believe is crystal clear you know, true religion is this, is that you would take care of widows and orphans, Mm -hmm. right? It it, it doesn't say all these other things that people Mm -hmm. are trying to do. Um, And even what I do for a living, it says true religion is this, and Mm -hmm. you're providing people an opportunity um, who have the means to, to, you know, put money into something that's actually doing that most important thing uh, that God calls out. And I think that's really cool.
1: Uh, many, many, in 1985, um, Reader's Digest did a great story about the ranch. And uh, we were so blessed by that national attention. And a guy came up here from Aruba and he had um, a beautiful, beautiful truck and a beautiful, beautiful trailer. And he sat down with me and we were just talking. He owns half the island of Aruba. So he's a pretty big boy. Yeah, He bought a brand-new truck and a um, brand-new Airstream trailer just to come up from Miami to the ranch. Wow. And and then I said, tell me about your children. And I saw this proud, confident, wealthy man melt. He said, I've got two children. I would give anything I own, everything, if I could get them back.
0: Mm.
1: He said, I messed up. And he said, uh, I can't get them back because um, I chose my career. I chose money. I chose I chose everything but them. Wow. And he said, and they know it. So money don't do it. Wow.
0: That's incredible. Well, one of the things I love hearing you and Brody speak is stories. Um, tell us some of the stories um, about, you know, whether it's the first kid um, why you started a girl's ranch that story is really incredible mm-hmm. just tell us stories the best you know best stories worst stories hardest thing you've ever done there best thing you've ever done mm-hmm. there what you're most proud of um
1: uh, one of the plays in my life we mentioned earlier is uh i was walking through a courtroom in in a local county and uh, a long hallway and there's a little girl 12 years old sitting there on the bench and uh i just do what i do i said you okay and I was with the social worker that was there, and the social worker said she was raped by her father while her mother held her down. And um, I picked the little girl up, and I felt her pouch because she was so torn up by the attack that they had to put a pouch on her. She's twelve years old in the sixth grade, and she's wearing a pouch. Uh, it asked me type, and. Um, judge walked by, and I said, you send her back home. The father's going to do this again and kill her in six months, being the stupid guy I was, yeah. playing profit. I was wrong. It was three months later. Wow. And he killed the little girl. And we promised God when the time was right, we'd build a home for girls. So 1988, uh, you drive in on Shelly Drive, name for that little girl. And um, I described her and what she looked like, because I'm the only one that saw her. No one no one else saw her from the ranch. Um uh, and um, I, I was in the courtroom, and I said, let me have her. I said, I'll take her. And uh, he said, no, nope, you've got a boy's ranch. can't do it. And I came home told my wife. I said, I nearly adopted a little girl today. And <laughs> she said, you think we could have talked about that? <laughs> I said, yeah, we can talk about it. But... And I explained the story, and um, uh, that little girl changed my life. And so now when a little girl walks in, it is tough. To be looking at a little girl that's six, seven years old and there's blood running down the inside of her leg where she was hurt the night before by this father who is standing next to her. And that man looks at me and says, what was it like playing for Bear Bryant? And his little girl has been abused by him. I get asked all the time by vigorous, virile men, don't you kill him? Nope. I never even look at him. I see the little girl. That's one hundred percent of the vision. As a matter of fact, I never talked to that man again. The staff handles anything we have to do with him, but we have seen that happen so many times. But you know what? Physical abuse is not the worst. The worst is, well, you know, if you'd only batted better than you pitched, you know, look how right. good you could go. Or I wish I'd never had you. Yeah. I never wanted you. Uh. We had a little girl that her mom brought her to us, and uh, she uh, had, woke, had awakened her daughter uh, that morning and said, come on, it's your birthday. We're going to have a great day. Took her, put her in the car. Little girl didn't know that she would packed all her clothes in a suitcase and had it in the trunk. The woman drove to our driveway, opened the door, threw the, suitcase, threw the little girl out, threw the suitcase out, and looked at me and said, she's yours. Little girl said, well, do you want me? That's a good day because then we get to say, Yes, we do. You belong to us now. And you know what? Every boy wants two things Do you really love me? And do I measure up? Yeah. That's it. It ain't rocket science. Yeah. And every little girl asks two questions Do you really love me? If I get pregnant and I mess up, you still gonna love me? And am I pretty? Your little girl may be ugly as homemade sin, <laughs> but if she thinks her daddy thinks she's pretty, she ain't afraid of anybody. Wow. And that's, what, that's what's missing today is look at your son, and um, we took Brody away on a trip when he was 13, and we called it the manhood trip. And I looked at him, I said, from this day forward, you do not talk to your mom about your mistakes. You come see me. And when you screw up, I'm the one you call. So we got back home, and he went through high school, went through college, and he would call home, and my wife said, well, hey, baby. Oh, uh, okay, he's right here. <laughs> She'd hand me the phone because something had happened. Yeah. And uh, the, the boy's got to know I got somebody to call. Yeah. And, and, and you've got seven children, and they got to know no matter what. You'll be there no matter what. Like right now, if you got a phone call, I know those headphones come off. You go get your baby. no, yep. Not a question. And like kids, don't have that assurance.
0: Wow. <clears throat> I don't even know where to go after, after that. That's really incredible. Um, man. What, Um, one of the things I've heard uh, when I've heard people talk about the ranch and people have gotten to know you and Brody um, is one of the hardest things you guys have to do is, is when people don't follow that fourth rule. Um, when they break the rules and then Mm -hmm. they have to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you didn't, if you didn't have that, you couldn't, you, you can't, you can't have the good thing that you have. If you're not willing to do that hard Mm -hmm. thing of letting people go. Could you talk about that?
1: I'll tell you the, um, uh, um, we, we use the baseball theory. Yeah. Uh, if you steal my car. And I've had our car stolen 29 times. So been there. Shy 30. Uh, yeah, somebody said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I don't take the keys out anymore. Cause I got tired of a hot, hot wire in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I just laid the keys in it. But um, uh, when 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 a kid steals your car, you sit down with him and say, son, now that's grand theft auto. And depending on value, it's a felony. Yeah. You can go to prison for that. And then you do it a second time. You you sit down with him, and say that's two strikes. You know, this first time might have been a situation. For example, we had a boy stole my car, and we went and got him out of jail, and I brought him back, and I said, "What were you thinking?" He said, "I wouldn't." My mom told me she was going to Texas, and I'd never see her again, and I wanted to see her one more time before she left, so I took your car. Didn't do a thing to him. Yeah, because. But if you steal the car that third time, that's letting me know you don't want what it is we're trying to give you. You don't want to make it. You don't, oh, I'll, I'll never do it again. Well, you know, it's yeah. kind of like every drug addict in the world. I yeah. swear to you and God, I'll never do it again. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. And so, uh, anyway, we've all been there. And um, mm-hmm. in one way or another, with whatever yeah. issue it is. But uh, those four, the, the third strike, uh, somebody said, well, you're quitting on them. You're not keeping your word. No. We didn't walk away. They did. And it's kind of like how God deals with us. He never goes anywhere. Yeah. Back back to that, you know, the footprints in the sand, you yeah. know. How many times have you and me both said, where are you? I'm right here. I'm carrying you, stupid, you know, yeah. because we, we didn't do the right thing. But uh, the, the 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 kids... If they know, even though you are a screw-up, you've made every mistake you can make as a man, husband, and father, or a a mother, wife, woman, Uh, if they know you love them. Mm -mm. We had one boy, his mom dipped him in hot grease and waist down and burned him. He talked about his mama every day for seven years. Every day he talked about his mama. Wow. So he's scar tissue, belly button down. Cause it was Greece, but you still loved his mama. And you ever get a kid to quit, quit that, stop that, hate you. Uh, they may say they hate you, but deep down inside, there is still that bond no matter what. That's incredible.
0: Well, I mean, that's, it's so, um, and, and again, I'm, I'm not going to jump into to, to politics, but we do often, but, but it's, it's bigger than politics it's the family is you know that that that's it and so um many of us may not be called to start a boy's ranch mm-hmm. or a girl's ranch mm-hmm. um but if if you have a wife and you have children or you're going to have a wife and you're going to have children i hope that the people listening can hear um the stories that you just shared um and understand the weight uh, of the responsibility it means to be a father mm-hmm. uh, and that that's a calling and that's an office you know, I think there's three systems of government. You have the family, you have the church, and you have the state. And people look at the people in the state, and you see a judge or a sheriff or a, you know, a, a president or a senator or whatever, and they're like, "Ooh, look at the office." Then you know you got a, the church and you got a pastor, and that's an office, and you're like, "Wow, the pastor, the pastor." Well, family has office holders too, and, and father is one of them. Mm-hmm. And if we don't begin to see ourselves as an office holder that God's going to hold responsible for the authority and responsibility He's given us, um, man. And, and, and it's not about what if you don't, it's look at what could happen if you do. Mm -hmm. What if you took that serious? Like you could break all the generational curses. Exactly. You could, you can be the guy who, who changes everything for future generations in your line and, and, and for your community and everything. And so, um, that's how I feel. I mean, Rich Wingo was sitting in that seat, um, six months ago, eight months ago, whatever it was. It was one of those podcasts. And I mean, I do these things all the time and you, you know, sometimes it's just going through the motions or whatever. And there's other times where I feel the weight of what we're talking about. And when I talked to rich, I felt it. Um, and he was calling, calling on men to be men and, mm-hmm. and I feel the weight of, of, of what we're talking about. So I'm really mm-hmm. grateful for the conversation.
1: It's, um, you just mentioned three things. They're all important, yep. but who changes the direction of a country? Yeah. It ain't the presidents. Yeah and it ain't the church. Yep. It's the family units. When uh, On a real poor example, remember the movie 300 and Sparta? Yeah. They had one agenda. And do you remember the guys were laughing in the battle? And uh, uh, one of them said, why are you laughing? He said, because I may have an opportunity to die for my country. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And somebody, his father, the Sparta culture, taught him that and i'm not saying we go back to sparta and do yeah. all that i'm not saying that but there was a there was a reason why there was that core yeah and um one thing i've noticed is uh do you remember when we were growing up um, um fuzzbusters mm-hmm. some people watching us right now yeah. have no what yeah uh, you know radar detectors let's yeah. change the name but um the, uh, the uh, Fuzz Buster would come to here, well, then technology would come to here and match it. Yeah. And then it would get to where uh, it would go to here, and it would. there was always the technology to to, to catch up with it, whatever it was, might be. Yeah. I think that even though we're going through a catastrophic meltdown of what God intended for our country, for our families, for fatherhood, motherhood, there's a meltdown for sure. Yeah. And people getting... Questioning what they are. There's a guy and a girl, and that's the end of it. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm, I may hurt somebody's feelings, but that—that's yeah. what it is. And um, uh, there is a movement. I mean, yeah. here's this catastrophic bad stuff happening. There's a movement here balancing it out. What you're doing is just a a, a segment of changing the culture. Yeah, and our our culture might be heading south. But uh you know what God ain't. Yeah. And he's the same he always was. That's it. And let me let me clarify. I may sound I may sound like a religious fanatic. I am not. There's people watching us right now if they really knew me they'd never speak to me again. But you know what? God can use broken people. Man. Does it every day.
0: Well John, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and and share your stories and uh and your your life with us. I'm sure this won't be the last time I have you in here. Um but really grateful. All right, guys. Well, that will wrap up today's regular episode, but we've got a great behind the scenes episode where John is going to be sharing an encouraging message about how to get back up. We all fall. We all got, you know, get knocked down at times. Um, but it's not about what happened to get knocked down. It's about what you got to do to get back up. That's going to be uh, a great message by him. Uh, And you can access that by becoming a member, joining the fight. Memberships start as little as $5 a month, and you'll be supporting independent journalism. You'll be supporting honest journalism uh, on behalf of the people. So please go to the website, 1819news.com, click the button, become a member. Uh, Again, memberships start as little as $5 a month. So go do that. And until next time, put your trust in God
1: and keep your powder dry.